listening to a podcast from GravityChurch.com, Lodi, California. How are you guys tonight? You guys doing good? Right on. We're going to jump right into the Word tonight. If you've been here before, then you know that we've been talking about this amazing idea about the community of God and what that looks like. We all know what it is to live in community Sometimes the community that we live in has a particular culture within that community. And that culture affects everything about our world. It affects everything about our life. That culture is something that tells us what the rules of the game are for where you and I live. If we were to talk about the culture of this neighborhood where Gravity Church is located, we would, we would understand that this culture has a lot of different diverse ethnic backgrounds. A lot of different people groups live right here in this very area that we call home. And in order for that culture to work, there has to be rules of the game to where people can coexist and and get along and learn how to navigate these waters. Sometimes these cultural rules aren't known to everybody and it creates what? Conflict, creates situations that sometimes cause people to be in in places that they don't want to be and not know how to get through everyday life. God came to this world Because there was a culture on planet Earth that he wanted to adjust, that he wanted to affect, that he wanted to change. And he had a plan. God had a plan for how he was going to do this. And we've read in Scripture about the story of God, how it started in the very beginning of creation, how God created the world that we see with all of the various animals and all of the different things with the oceans and the mountains and all of the different things. And then the Bible says that God created man in his own image. And then he breathed his life into his lungs so that the man that was alive, the very first man, literally was breathing the breath of God. And that's how he existed. And as we look at the story of how this man and God related to each other, we come to this very interesting part in the story where man made a choice to go against the culture that God had established, that God had created. And when he made that deadly choice to go against the cultural rules that God had preordained and established in his heart for it always to be like, that choice that Adam made changed the culture of planet Earth as we knew it. And it changed the power structure of planet Earth as we know it. In the very beginning, the Bible says that God created the world and then he came to Adam and he said, Adam, this is your playground. This is your domain. I am giving you control and charge over everything that you see. And Adam, the very first thing that I want you to do in your new place is I want you to name all of the animals. And Adam went about his business naming the lions and the tigers and the zebras and the aardvarks and all of the different things. And Adam had a position of authority over everything that was created. But when Adam made the choice to turn against God and to go against the culture that was established, he forfeited his control and his authority. And the Bible says that God gave it over to the devil. And from that moment on, This is no longer our domain and playground, but this is under the control of darkness. And we see the effects of it all the time, everywhere we look. 
we see the effects that things are not as they should be. That this world is not as God created it to be. And so there was this moment in the story when God said, I want it back. I want to redeem my creation from the curse that is on it. And I want to pull it back out of the darkness. And I want my light to shine. And so God sent Jesus, his only son, into the darkness. And he said, Jesus, you go and you affect the culture. You change the rules of the game. You make it how I was originally wanting it to be. And as we've been going through every week, we've learned a new identifying marker every single week of what the culture of God should look like. We've learned that in the community of God, sin is easily resolved between people. That's the way God wants it, for us to easily forgive and easily receive forgiveness, to be able to talk to each other about the things that are in our hearts that make us uncomfortable to talk about. God says, in my culture, it should be easy for brothers and sisters to resolve their differences. He says, in this culture, honesty should flow. There should no longer be separations because of dishonesty and lies and manipulation. Honesty should flow and bring people together. Tell the truth, even if it hurts. Tell the truth about how you feel and about who you are. Tell the truth and allow truth to be the marker of God's culture. We know in this culture that God celebrates old things becoming new. He doesn't discard things like this world does. God pulls out the old things and he says there's so much value in this and God redeems it. And God celebrates the old things becoming new. And that's the culture of our God. That's the culture that he wants And we know that when we share our lives with each other, when we get involved in each other's mess, when we get involved in each other's stuff, we have learned that God's goodness is present and it is shared between brothers and sisters. That when we talk, we're not just having a conversation. We're literally sharing in the goodness of God between us. And we walk away and we feel different because God's goodness is there. And last week, we talked about a new component for the culture of God. God wants his people to grow up and mature. In the the book of Hebrews, last week we looked at this eye-opening scripture. It says in Hebrews 5, There is so much more that we would like to say about these things, but it is difficult to explain, especially since you're spiritually dull and you don't seem to listen. You have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others but instead you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. You're like babies who need milk and can't eat solid food. Someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. Solid food is for those who are mature, who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. See, this scripture shows us that it is possible For you to call yourself a believer or a Christian or a follower of Jesus and never grow up. It says in this scripture that this this is a, a book and a letter that's written to Christians. And it says, you've been hearing this for so long now that you ought to be able to teach this stuff. But you're spiritually dull. You don't get it. And last week as we began to to pull this apart and to be able to see what was going on, we realized is that maturity is a choice. To grow up, to become spiritually mature, is a choice that we have to make. 
Do you want to be mature? You've got to ask yourself that question tonight. If you're here and you're a follower of Jesus, at some point in your walk with God, you've got to ask yourself the question, do I really want to grow and be mature? Because we say we do. If I were to just pull you apart and just have a casual cup of coffee and conversation, say, so do you want to mature? Very few of you would say, nah, I don't think so. Nah, I don't think so. I'd rather just stay a little baby. I know my diaper stinks, but just ignore that, please. I... Maturity is a choice on our part to engage and allow the process to happen. Last week, we learned that one of the many ways that we grow and that we become mature, the bedrock, the foundational point, has to do with accountability. Who are you accountable to in your life? Who are you accountable to? Because in this understanding of growing up in God, everything that Jesus taught had to do with relationships with people. Never once did Jesus portray for us a gospel that was one man or one woman all by themselves doing their thing. It's not in there. Jesus talked about a community. Jesus talked about fellowship. Jesus talked about being together. Jesus talked about understanding each other and working through disagreements. He talked about love for each other. It's kind of hard to have love for each other when you're all by yourself. Jesus talked about all of the different dynamics that all had to do with relationship. And what many of us like to do is we like to keep it surface and we like to keep it anonymous and we like to be able to dodge anybody really looking inside under the covers of our stuff. Because it's uncomfortable. It's vulnerable. It makes us scared. It makes us get afraid that if people really took a look under the covers of my life, they wouldn't want me. They wouldn't accept me. They would judge me. They would look differently at me. And yet, isn't it ironic that everything in Scripture says to us that if you want to grow, you have to be vulnerable, you have to be real, you have to open up. It's the opposite of fakeness. Being honest, being genuine, being real, being authentic. God says, who are we accountable to? And when we begin to understand that question, we begin to go through process of opening up to people, real life change begins to happen. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2, it says, Like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment now that you have had a taste of the Lord's kindness. He continues, you are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. And you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. And what's more, you are his holy priests. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. For as the scriptures say, I am placing a cornerstone in Jerusalem, chosen for great honor, and anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Yes, you who trust him, Jesus, recognize the honor that God has given him. 
But for those who reject him, it says the stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone, and he is the stone that makes people stumble, the rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they do not obey God's word, and so they meet the fate that was planned for them. But you are not like that, for you are a chosen people, your royal priests, a holy nation. You are God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he has called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Would you read that bottom with me? Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, but now you have received God's mercy. This this letter that is written to this group of Christians, last week we learned that this letter was written around 70 years after Jesus left planet Earth. 70 years has gone by, and this letter is being distributed to a group of churches that are spread out all over the continent. And as this this letter begins to make the rounds to these different churches, imagine having somebody come to the door because they didn't have all that we have in Scripture at that time. It It was being written and it was being inspired by God to pass down through the generations. Imagine somebody coming to us with a letter and it was written to us and we begin to gather around it and all of us sit down and, and we, we say, read it to us, tell us, because they couldn't all read in their culture. It's like, let me know what this letter reads and they begin to unfold this letter. And last week we learned that the very first thing they talked about in this letter was words of encouragement about our salvation, about understanding just how big the salvation of God really is. And then he gets later on into this letter and he begins to talk about us being like babies that need to cry out for nourishment. We've got to cry out and we've got to say, God, I want all that you have for me. I'm not satisfied with just a little bit, God. I'm going to cry out like a newborn little baby and I want to be heard. I want to be fed. I want what you have. God, I want to grow. I want to mature. And this letter says, this is what you're to do. Cry out to God and he will pour this out. But then he goes into something much deeper to this group of Christians, this group of believers that we here tonight read. He begins to talk to them about their true identity in God. He begins to use some really, really big words. He begins to use this word, living stones. This letter talks about the fact that we as God's people are like rocks, stones, but we're not just dead. We're alive, living stones. And the letter says that God begins to take us, his living stones, and build his temple with us. You and me, you and me, God begins to take our lives and he begins to put us together and he begins to assemble this temple And what's at the center of it? God. You and I are the display case of God. We're the ones that carry him. We're the ones that hold him. We're the ones that show him to the world. And he says, not only are you like living stones, but he said, Jesus 
is the very first stone placed. He's the cornerstone of this temple. And then you guys just are placed all around him. It's this understanding that it's not like Jesus is over there and we're way over here and we're not, we're not good enough to be here in him or near him. It's this understanding that Jesus says, come on, you're connected to me and I am just like you. And everything I got, I give it to you. And together we form the habitation of God. We are alive and we're stones that are moving and breathing and carrying the very presence and essence of God. That's a trip, isn't it? Isn't that awesome? So he begins this letter and he begins to go through and there's some other big words that he starts to use. He says that we're his priests. It's kind of a trip, he thought, isn't it? How many of you here were raised Catholic? Or were raised in an in a organization or a religion or a church where priesthood was displayed when you understood what that looked like in your, in your upbringing? Well, when we go back to the story of God in the beginning and we see that there was this group of people that, that God wanted to show the world himself through, we find that there's a story where God finds this small little country, this little nation of people, and he has this interaction with this guy named Abraham. And he talks to this guy Abraham, and he says, Abraham, I'm going to make a covenant with you. Now, a covenant is something that is, it's, it's like a promise between two parties. It's like a written or verbal legal contract. And God comes to Moses or to Abraham and he says, I'm going to make a covenant with you. And his covenant was that he was going to bless this man, Abraham. And he said, your descendants were going to be so great and were going to be so numerous that they were going to be like looking at the stars in the sky. They were just going to be countless. You couldn't count them. And God began this relationship with Abraham's offspring. And God said to him later on down the line, to this nation that was then called Israel, he says, you're going to be my chosen people. That everybody on planet earth that needs to know who God is, when they see you, they're going to see God. Because you're my people and I'm going to show off who I am through you. This is the way this relationship is going to work. And he says, but here's the catch, Israel. You have to worship me. You have to show the world our love and our relationship and our covenant and our agreement. How strong it is that you worship me as the one true God and I will take care of you and I will give you everything that you need. God says, is it a deal? Well, if you take any time at all and you read story in the Old Testament, and I encourage you to read the story of the book of Exodus. Pick it up right in the beginning and just start reading. It's like, it's like reading a fascinating novel. It's like reading a story. It's easy to understand, and it's the story of a group of people. And you know what the story unfolds? They look just like you and me. Hard-headed, arrogant, stubborn, don't want to listen to God, want to do their own thing. It's ridiculous. And yet it's so familiar. We read it and we're just like, man, this is exactly like I would be acting if I was back then. And yet, God never stops. Never stops loving them. Never stops going after them. Never stops trying to keep his side of the deal. If we look in the book of Exodus, I want to show you just a short snippet out of this. 
interaction that's going on between these people. This group of people, we, I don't even know how many of them there were, but it was a lot of people. They've been set free from this captive nation called Egypt. And God has done some miracles to get them out of this bad place. And they were going out, and we talked a few weeks ago about this guy named Moses. And so Moses is leading this group of people, and they get out into the wilderness. They get out into the desert, and God starts talking to Moses about these people. And God says to Moses, I'm going to talk to you, and then I want you to go and talk to them. Let's see how we can make this communication thing work, Moses. I talk to you, you talk to them. It says in verse 1 of chapter 19, exactly two months after the Israelites left Egypt, they arrived in the wilderness of Sinai. After breaking camp at Rephidim, they came to the wilderness of Sinai and set up camp there at the base of the mountain Sinai. Moses climbed the mountain to appear before God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, give these instructions to the family of Jacob. Announce it to the descendants of Israel. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians. You know how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you unto myself. Now, if you will obey me and keep my covenant, then you will be my own special treasure from among all the peoples on earth, for all the earth belongs to me. And you will be my kingdom of priests, my holy nation. This is the message that you must give to the people of Israel. This is the words of God given to Moses, and he mirrors or he echoes this letter that we just read in the book of Peter, where God said back then, I'm going to make you my holy priests. What does that mean? What does it mean to be a priest of God? What, is that, what does that bring up in your mind? Well, to be a priest literally was this understanding of a group of selected people who would go to God on behalf of other people. When people needed to get close to God, they went to the priests. They said, the priests need to make a way for me to be near God. Our lives are messy. Our lives are dirty. Our lives are full of sin. And our God is clean. And our God is holy. And our God is a God of justice. And in order for us to be able to get near God, we had to have a bridge. We had to have somebody that could bring us to God. And that was the idea of the priesthood. Back in the days when the Israelites were in the, in the desert, they wanted to have a relationship with God, but they couldn't get close. But God back then said, in the future, someday, you will be my priests. You know what God was talking about back then? He was talking about us. He was talking about the fact that when Jesus came to the earth, he was going to once and for all do away with this man-made priesthood. And he was once and for all going to establish this understanding that you and I get to go directly to God. We don't need anybody in between us anymore. We get to come to God all by ourselves without having to have a bridge or without having to have a mediator. This understanding of the priesthood brought with it this, understand, this, 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 this thinking that the sins of man 
held them back. They couldn't get near God because of the sins that they were under. Think with me for a second right now. How many of you know somebody in their life right now who can't get to God because of the sins in their life? All of us. What do they need in their life? What is it that they're needing? They're needing that forgiveness. They're needing that understanding that they can get to God. In this letter in Peter, in the book of 1 Peter, when it says that you and I are called the priests of God, you know what he's saying? He's saying that you and I get to perform the priestly duties for those that can't. That you and I are the ones, because of our relationship with God, that get to go before God on behalf of others and sacrifice for them and pray for them and minister. You and I step into that role here on planet earth that is under cover of darkness and we, just like Jesus, get to walk into the darkness and get to say to the darkness around us, I am a holy priest of God and where I go, I do ministry. I make sacrifices and I affect those that are under the darkness and can't get to God. You and I carry the responsibility and the understanding and the authority of being the priests of Almighty God. Now what does that do for us? Tonight we're talking about another component of God's culture. In the community and the culture of God, what does it look like? It looks like us as the people of God growing up and becoming mature. Maturity accepts responsibility. Maturity sees things as they are. When we begin to grow in God, we begin to stop acting like children and saying, oh, you do this for me or you do that or I don't feel like it or I don't want to. When we begin to accept what our calling is, we begin to accept what our role is, we begin to accept and take on willingly what it looks like to grow up and to be mature. And when we accept it, God says, you're my priest. You're on this earth to affect the culture. As we begin to accept it and take it on and grow and mature, we begin to walk in this new understanding. Hebrews chapter 13, this same letter a little bit later in it, is talking to us right now and it says, let us therefore offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise to God, proclaiming our allegiance to his name and don't forget to do good and to share with those in need. These are the sacrifices that please God. As priests of God, God has called us to make sacrifices and to minister to those around us. What does it mean to make a sacrifice? Well, the first thing that we have to understand about a sacrifice is that it costs something and that it means that I have to make a choice between something that I may want and something that I may need. Something that I would really want to do or something that I really need to do. 
saying no to my desires and my flesh and my ego and my pride and saying yes to God and to others and exalting them. This is our calling to grow up and to mature and to accept accountability in our life and to submit to the authorities that God has placed in our life, to come under the way that God has created this world to work. Even though this world right now is dark and it's ridden with abuse and all of these things that we see that are not right, someday God will bring justice and he will right every wrong that's been done and God will make things as they are. But you know what is happening in the meantime? You and I are preparing the way through our lives for that day to come. We talked Friday morning. If you guys haven't, if you guys are free on Friday mornings, we invite you to come down here at nine o'clock. We have an incredible time of worship and prayer and we're digging into the word. And this last Friday morning, we started talking about this understanding that, that before Jesus came, God in his understanding of what needed to happen, chose a man by the name of John the Baptist. And he said to John the Baptist from the time that he was a baby, even before he was born, God said, this man, John the Baptist, is going to go before Jesus gets here and he is going to prepare the ground, prepare the culture, prepare the people's hearts so that when the Messiah, the true one of God shows up, they'll know what he looks like. They'll know what to expect. They'll know what what to, to respond correctly. And we talked about this understanding that God always makes preparation. You and I, right here on planet Earth, on the east side of Lodi right now, we are the preparation of God. We are the preparation for the things that God desires to do. And in order for it to happen, we got to grow up. We got to grow up. And as we continue this journey over the next couple weeks, it's going to get worse, I just want to tell you. We're going to learn what it looks like to grow up in God. Pray with me, would you? God, right now, we come before you, Lord, with our hearts full. They're full because we've been with you tonight. They're full because you have shown us who you are, Jesus. They're full because you satisfy. So, Lord, tonight as we come before you to respond to the words that we have heard, to respond to the word of God that has been spoken, we ask that now you would take it like a master skillsman and put it into our hearts and into our lives in such a way that it would fit and it would take over, take over our hearts and it would begin to make us who you want us to be. Jesus, we invite you now into the inner places of our heart, the places that no one else gets to see, and we invite you now to begin to work on them, to begin to move, to begin to adjust things, to begin to bring awareness and illumination to our hardness of heart, to our stubbornness, to the areas of our pride. We pray this in In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to GravityChurch.com.